Welcome back to Lost in Roshar, the ultimate journey through the Stormlight Archive. I'm Christian. And I'm Jimmy. Today, we are diving into the very first set of interludes right after part one of The Way of Kings. And as always, full spoilers are ahead for all of the Stormlight Archive. So if you haven't read all four books, we'll see you later. But for all of you who have taken the journey, welcome to the Thunderdome. I don't know. I was going to say Thunderdome. <laughs> I was going to say a pit. I, I didn't know what to say. Uh, yeah, we're diving into these interludes, and they are a collection of three. And it was a joy reading these over again. But Christian, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, man. It was really fun reading the interludes. Mm-hmm. And the I don't know if I'm getting too comfortable, but I'm leaving my chapter readings closer and closer to the recording time. I read these a few hours ago, and Ooh. I was desperately had like 25 Chrome tabs open, taking <laughs> notes, getting the red string on my wall, attaching all the characters and connections. And I remember reading these and loving i remember really loving the pure lake chapter and wanting to see this guy ishik in the book and then you literally never see him again so that's kind of <laughs> he's kind of a one and done huh <laughs> yeah it's just like he did what he came to do and he's gone how are you man how are things i'm good i'm good i'm dealing with a little bit of a back tweak from jujitsu but uh overall it's not too bad uh unfortunately sitting is the worst position i can be in uh which turns out i sit a lot in life so that that's been a little bit rough but i just got out of seeing oppenheimer today i, I thought it was a fantastic movie for all those who are curious um but things are good man things are things are really good and uh, i enjoyed these chapters this week which is always great and uh i'm i'm excited to get into chapter or part two of the way of kings here soon yeah, I'm really keen. Finally getting Dalina and the um and the um oh what's their last the Colon people. The Colon yes. fam. Keen to meet all of them again. And man, I'm desperate to see Oppenheimer, but getting a seat here is so tough. And it's um absurd here I, too. Give me three hours of Christopher Nolan and I I'm happy. I don't even I didn't really I don't really know the story of Oppenheimer that well, to be honest. I don't know if it's because I'm Australian or I'm just miss it uh, uninformed, but it's something I'm keen to learn about. I think it's mostly uh, like Americans know about Oppenheimer, but not even yeah. every American knows about Oppenheimer. My my wife, who's very I would say well educated and well spoken, and she's she's very successful, uh, and much higher education than I than I am. But she actually didn't know much about Oppenheimer at all, and she came out of it and was like. I am very interested now. And I'm like, that's the point. Like yeah. now the, the kind of the rabbit hole opens up. I was a big fan of the Manhattan project, which was a television show. It only had two seasons and got canceled. And they was talking about Los Alamos and kind of like the, the, it was like a drama around the town, which is really interesting uh, where they built the bomb. But yeah, Oppenheimer was fantastic. I saw an IMAX and it, it always just makes me think that I know we want that Stormlight TV show. But man, no, those be cool, man. You know, oh. just seeing some an IMAX and the theater experience and the shaking of the seats and you know, get the lights dimming, getting your popcorn. <laughs> like, I, you know, I, I just, yeah. I could see. I'd like to see a big budget fantasy movie that isn't like King Arthur retold again. Like, I would like yes. to see the original IP up on the screen. Oh, I'd love it. And I like when IMAX movies, they go from like the 16 by nine and then the black bars expand. And I can so mm-hmm. see that when Kelsey is with Vin, it's like, all right, this is how to be a Mistborn. <laughs> and, then, and then it opens up to IMAX and they just start flying through Luthadel. Oh, that would be so and good. Chris Pratt is playing Kelsier and yeah. And Henry Cavill is Vin. <laughs> it would be so good <laughs> uh, i'm there for it I'm, I'm paying my 14.95 and uh checking it out matinee I, be- I would like to see the whole you know when you think back to game of thrones you're like oh yeah kid harrington amelia clark sophie turner macy williams all these people that you would never that you yeah. never heard of i'd love to see the cosmere usher in like a bunch of unknowns certainly in, yeah uh, and a bunch of new new actors and new actresses yeah i agree hmm. i think um the casting debates will be so toxic and uh heated whenever they start putting this together especially for mistborn it's like i I would say mistborn's way more popular than stormlight and um it's a lot of people's foray back into fantasy i think stormlight gets more chat and more deeper discussion but i feel like everyone's read mistborn in our circle right 
Yeah. And, and just my anecdotal evidence, you know, I uh, was at a work meeting when they flew me out to, to be at the head office and just organically without me, I don't say anything in these meetings and people started talking about Mistborn. And there was one guy's like, oh, have you read Stormlight? And they're like, no, not yet. I just really like Mistborn. I read it like two or three times. And I'm like, wow, like it's just so opposite of me. You know, I, I, I prefer Stormlight. But I, I do think that Stormlight and, you know, also just Mistborn's been around longer as well. And it's finished. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people like to jump into that. And it's a trilogy instead of a, you know, 35, 40 year, 10 book epic kind of deal. So <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. It's the it's the entry it's the gateway into this world. And a lot of people who have read Mistborn have no idea it's part of a greater universe. That's and true. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know if, cause it's weird. Cause I'm so keen to see the Cosmere become this huge franchise and this huge connected universe, but it's almost like ever since the MCU, everyone's doing it. And I wonder if people are going to be tired of like, can't I just get something that I can sit down and understand? And I don't have to like watch a million things. Yeah. You know, yeah, there's definitely a fatigue with that. Um, but yeah. things come in cycles, right? And I think it's probably going to be a, a good amount of time before we see uh, maybe like a Stormlight adaptation. At least that's my gut feeling. I think, you know, we could be looking at 10 years, even maybe possibly. Yeah. yeah. And I could see it being like something that we, we don't even know yet. Yeah. That's so articulate of me to say. But it's like maybe it's not even a movie or a show, maybe it's like a VR journey or some crazy tech that we're not even ready for some ai <laughs> yeah. i'm just gonna i'm just gonna drop all the, the hot words bro yeah. watching these uh <laughs> alien hearings and you know they're they're crazy but i was just thinking like man are we about to get roshard like yes. are, <laughs> you know what i mean like that's sort of either what i recognized it i was like oh no are we the parshendi oh yeah and we just are the parshendi Oh my god. Are we about to get Roshard? We what are. a specific reference. It's a um, verb. Yeah, yeah. Oh god, I never thought of it that way. Uh, I did. love that bit of existential terror for my morning. Brilliant. Yeah, that was Thanks, Jimmy. Yeah, when I thought of it, I was like, well, that's the quick update section. Yeah, of the that's podcast. it. <laughs> okay. New shards arriving. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like I, I was looking into that too, and it's just like, man, this is like it. It's it's weird because then my my tinfoil novel brain starts to apply to real life, and I'm like, am I going mad? Do I need to stop? <laughs> like, what is real? <laughs> Who am I? Yeah. Well, thankfully, I, I don't think we have too much to worry about right now no. um, in, in the way of this. But we we do have uh, something to worry about, Christian, and that is our weekly poll that you host over there on your yes. YouTube channel, Lost in Discovery. So we've been on this little bit of a road trip kick. We've we've filled out the car. And now we are picking the final destination of this road trip. So let, let's talk about the poll. Yeah. So we we started at the Shattered Plains with, I guess we're in the Civic, right? We've decided. The Civic, <laughs> us in the front, either Jimmy or I, depending on your scenario, or you, the listener. You're up front, you're chilling, you're driving. Adolin, Yasna, Sil, next to you, having a great chat. Where are we going? We had some options. The Pure Lake, the Reshi Isles, Shinova, or Amia. And it was a winner by a mile. The Pure Lake with 52% of the votes. Although the comments tell a different story. The comments were heated this week. Everyone was very <laughs> passionate about where we were going. And there was a lot of Shinova hate, which was really funny to read. Um, someone was like, if you want to go to Shinovar, just go outside and touch grass. And uh, they're not wrong. I mean, the best part about Shinovar would be seeing their re- like the characters react to Shinovar, I suppose, and finding out the secrets of Roshar. But like, just looking around, it wouldn't be as exciting. Did, who did you vote for? I, I voted for the Pure Lake, obviously. Uh, yeah. I just think it's the one of the coolest things. I do think the Reshi Isles are like pretty cool. I mean, all these places are really cool, but I did think it was funny that the uh, top comment is to everyone that said a Shinovar, you realize that you picked the least exotic and most <laughs> Earth-like place on Roshar, right? <laughs> Which isn't wrong, technically. <laughs> no, it's not wrong. But yeah, like I said, I think the reason is because of like, you know, we, we want to go to book five. Everyone just wants book five and book five is Shinova. And we, I want to see more about it too. And look, yes, on the surface, it does look like earth, but they're like talking to stones. 
I mean, mm. some people are doing that on Earth, but I'm not really <laughs> curious to know why in Roshar I am. <laughs> so I see the merit, but you know what I'm, I'm what I'm mad about is Amia with five percent, maybe our lowest ranked place ever. Okay, look, we'd all die, but we'd learn some things, you know. So, the Kremlings. So, yeah, can you give a little bit of a sales pitch for for this? Because honestly, this is the location I know least about of the four. Yeah, it's um. There's there's a lot going there, so there's there's two types of Amians. One is like the Kremlin people, like the hive mind. So that's where I, you know I'm obsessed. Christian Kremlin, you know what I'm all about. <laughs> and there's like um, I don't know if you remember from the interludes later, Axie's the collector. He's Amian too, and he had like blue skin. He can like change the patterns on his skin and stuff. Don't know I, if you I don't remember this. Oh yeah, he's this. He's this guy, he can like change his skin and patterns and tattoos. And he's like, he shows up randomly in a bunch of interludes. Um, well, by a bunch, I mean two, I think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Amia, we've had a few scenes. I th- I, oh, I should really know this, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they do. They go there in Dawnshard. That's where they go. And there's also a scene of a soulcaster lady heading towards Amia and she's been soul casting too much and her, and she like soul casts her body away. We learned that that's like a thing in Roshar. If you do it too much, you kind of dissipate. And that's who's in the, um, if you look at the poll, that's who's in the picture. She's kind of like fading away. Cause like, there's no really great art of Amia, but so- I just thought Kremlings take me there. I'm in. Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, someone said the Reshi Isles is, you know, very exotic and has crabs, which is pretty cool. Um, where the Pure Lake is very exotic, but does not have crabs. And I love <laughs> crabs. Crab or no crabs. I, I mean, crab well, cakes. they're talking about like the Reshi Isles are literally giant freaking beings that move and you like live on them. So that's really cool. We get a taste of it. I'm just trying to remember. I think it's a risen interlude and you actually, yeah, it's where she gets like strung off the side of the Island that starts moving. Um, so they're basically like the pure lake, but less chill. It's like, if you want to go to Disneyland or just go to the beach, I suppose. Yeah. Comparisons. Yeah. I think that that's fair. Yeah. So you're just like crab cakes. That's why you want to go. It's all about food with you, Jimmy. Yeah. I'm a foodie. There (laughs) There ain't no doubt about it, man. Are you a fish? Are you a seafood guy? Yeah, absolutely. All right, so the pure lake, the pure lake, mate, magical fish. Yeah, and Enjoy. it just—I mean, it's just the most interesting for me out of, out of the bunch, especially we're we're here in the interludes, and it just seems like a great destination because we really have no idea what's going on up here. Oh, dude, I'm actually like, despite all my my disagreements with the poll, I'm glad people voted for the pure lake because it makes sense to talk about this episode. We're going to be talking about it anyway, <laughs> and um. Look, I think we just sort of get someone to set up a ramp. We take the Civic up and just gloriously fly into the Pure Lake and call it a day. And just see what happens. Like, just, yeah, where do we end up? Where? Is, what? What's going on? Yeah, is there really a bottom there? Is it really as shallow as it's seen? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Folks? Yeah. And I think that, yeah, look, that brings that brings to an end the the, the road trip, the Rosharian road trip. We had a good time. We, really we got did. there unscathed. What a great theme we had going there. I mean, we'll, we'll have some more polls each week. Yeah. yeah, we'll have to think of something new. We've struck light and we struck gold once. We can do it again. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> but let's do it, man. Let's let's go to the Pure Lake. I'm ready. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, interlude one is Ishik. Is that how you say it? Yeah. All right, perfect. Uh, so we go here, we meet Ishik, and we hear about New Relic, which is very interesting we hear about pure lakers and then their take on foreigners who visit the pure lake uh and we go all the way through this and we get this little introduction to this people which you know is some really great world building as well and then we meet three mysterious people who seem to be looking for hoid and that might sound fairly simple but as everyone knows when you read something in stormlight there's generally some other stuff going on here so christian what what did you make of this interlude yeah that's exactly what you just said was what was playing in my brain before I reread this. I'm like, okay, we'll go to the Pure Lake. There's that God thing that's going on and we'll meet three guys and they're from another place looking for Hoyd, the end. But when I reread it now, there's actually a lot more to pick apart than I anticipated. And mm-hmm. what I'm, what, what is cool is 
as we look at the chapter arch, you actually see Hoyd on either side of Ishik's name. Like th- th- that's not a herald, that's Hoyd's one. So that's kind of cool. That is that cool. He has his own one too. Um, I forgot they actually say Hoyd. And they straight up say it. <laughs> yeah, they straight up say I did not because I highlighted as I was reading, oh, that, that description fits Hoyd when he's a, they say white hair and stuff. And then I felt stupid because then it's just like, yeah, his name's Hoyd. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but what really I've been thinking about this morning is like, hmm, okay, so he's doing these interludes. They're a big, they're a big thing for this series. Why is this the first one? You know, True. why... I always, I'm thinking about that a lot with the Way of Kings, is placement of chapters. Why yeah. Ishik first? Why the Pure Lake? And um, I've got a few ideas. I want it to be a little bit more exciting, but maybe with some discussion we'll get there. Did you, um, just out of curiosity, did you look up who those three people were? I did not because I figured we would get into it here on the, um, on the show. Yeah. But... My favorite part of this chapter is the ending. Uh, whenever it says, well, you've got the full part right, Ishik said with a chuckle, turning uh, turning his own direction, heading off to check his traps, uh, which is talking about the fool's quest this is, mm-hmm. which is the person talking about this was Grump. And if I'm not mistaken, Wit is a bit of a jester in Stormlight, right? Yeah. What? what? Fool, <sighs> jester. Yeah. It's, it's a good tie-in for wit. I love it. Oh, 100%. What made me curious about this was like, is Ishik calling these three guys fools for their, you know, stupid foreigner quest? Or is he like getting paid off by Hoyd? And he's like, oh, yes. That's fool. what I took it as. Yes. You yeah, you got yeah. The f- yeah, that's that's what I felt. Well, you've got the full part right with a mm. chuckle. And that makes me feel like Ishik definitely knows uh, what's good. That's that's way too cheeky and on the you nose. reckon because he also thinks like he that he had been looking for this character or whatever. Doesn't uh, he think that too? It's like he, well, he, yeah, had, he I, did, I was looking. Yeah, he does. Um, it would be cool if it was getting paid off though. I kind of wanted to be like that, but maybe not. I would maybe like to see that interaction. So maybe maybe he does think they're just fools, but I don't know. Fools in quotes. I I just. I felt mm. like it was definitely referencing <laughs> wit, but you're right that I don't think it's super consistent with his internal dialogue with himself. Yeah. So that does, that does, pro, you know, bring up a problem, I think. Yeah. What I was trying to establish in this chapter is what we've been seeing as we read the way of Kings is that all these different cultures have a different religion, which is mm-hmm. kind of warping the true history of Roshar in its own way. And Ishik and these pure Lake people, they, worship one god but they can they can't speak his name they have to speak his like spiteful younger brother's name to to the people which is like a great little comedic thing going on in this chapter but i was like okay who is this appropriating in our world is is this appropriating a herald or is this appropriating a shard thing is this based in a reality that we can understand um and i thought was is this like the shift from worshiping honor to odium and like out Outside, we'll say we worship Odium, but inside, we worship Honor or something. And Ooh. they've they've got these new names for them. That's where I was going with it. I really like that. And I yeah. was I was not there, like quite right where you are. But the quote: "The Pure Lake was life itself. Once this land had been claimed by a king, Salatels, the nation had been called one of the Epoch Kingdoms." And I was going to ask you, who was this king? Is there a chance it might have been? A herald, like I don't know, I I can't remember in the timeline where the epoch kingdoms lay. Epoch kingdoms are like, whenever we go into those um, flash, uh, those visions with Dalinar, it's like the the time when the radiants are just you know flying around as superheroes, and we're in the thick of things with the desolations and stuff. And what's really cool is like, it's kind of because because Dalinar has been to the Pure Lake at some point in his like army career. Mm-hmm. And in words of Radiance, he has a vision um, with the Radiance fighting and there's this big onyx or obsidian fortress. And he's like, oh, I think I'm in the Pure Lake. Like I should be in the Pure Lake, judging by like looking around. So mm-hmm. clearly like there's a, there, there was, you know, a much more established society there at one point. And it's cool because like he, with that can only be said as a throwaway line with this interlude 
You yeah, know? that's he, so true. He can't like, uh, what is the pure leg? Like you'd have to explain it right there and then. But now we've like, oh yeah, Ishik. And um, I mean, I've, oh God, I've been reading so much online. I'm trying to remember if that was mentioned in this chapter that there, there used to be a fortress there i don't think it was not not that i could tell the only the only no. thing that kind of for me that hinted at there being like a past to to this place was that line that i read um about mm. it having a king and it being called sell tales um one of the epoch kingdoms uh so i thought that that was interesting i'm just wondering who the king was and if, if that king was of any significance outside of just you know being a king yeah i i didn't i didn't look up him directly but it's interesting to learn about the different kingdoms of Roshar and how they've kind of slightly changed over time or been split up in our current day. Mm-hmm. I've just looked it up now in the cop of mine. It says Cellar Tales was one of the silver kingdoms on Roshar. It was a monarchy that claimed the Pure Lake, Marabethia, Babathanum, Yule, and tiny portions of Tu, Baila, and Rira as part of its territory. Um, and they're just talking about there was an oath gate there. They wrote in Dawn Chant the script of the Silver Kingdom, so the people spoke an ancient form of the Soleil language. It's just, it's not, there's not much inf- information on it. It's just like the old kingdom that used to inhabit the land. Yeah, I mean, and there's a lot of words there. Yeah, there's not a lot to, to dig into at this point, I don't think. But one could say, with, with all these details, you could say that it would be easy to be lost in Roshar. Oh. Ooh, that's a, that's that's a little preview we'll we'll send should, out. Should I just leave the call? Should I, I think leave? just just end it there. I'll make it a YouTube short and we'll call it a day. We'll call it a day. We'll pack, <laughs> pack it in, guys. Still pack over. it in, mate. Any <laughs> anywhere that we can sneak in the tagline "Lost in Roshar," I'll take it. Yes, absolutely. Um, I want to ask you, Jimmy. I know okay. you're a seafood guy, but okay. what are you thinking about these fish that can like? give you visions of the future and cure oh, your, I, your I literally just circled it. It was just like, what? <laughs> like, this <laughs> yeah. has, like maybe, maybe a, even a better question is, is like, we're coming back here, right? Like this place is going to be more significant in the future. You think a thousand percent. Yeah. Yeah. It has to be with these fish. And then just the, like even like what you said, like the, the theology up here is very fascinating and could be hinting at maybe how we get along after Odium possibly wins in book five. Yeah. And yeah, you don't, you just don't spend a whole chapter in a random place that you rarely see again. If it's not going to be important, you just don't do that. Yeah. You'd hope not. If this was the only pure Lake chapter by book 10, I'd be quite confused, even though I enjoy it. But we just have so much to do in the back half of Stormlight. Yeah. You know what I mean, and like, this is one of the things me and you've talked about a lot of times offline is just Roshar so big, but we've seen just very few glimpses of places, you know, and that's why book five is really exciting because we're going to like actually go to Shinovar and everything, which is cool. But, you know, the pure like that's not, I mean, we could spend half a book here maybe, which would be yeah. great. Yeah. Not only will the, the, back, the back five books focus on different characters i think it's going to be a 10 year in world gap too so everyone will be a bit older mm-hmm. but i hope i hope it's a whole different section of roja for whatever reason i hope half of the map gets destroyed or something or uninhabited so <laughs> we can chill in these other places because they're severely underused um but i'm okay with it as long as they eventually show up whenever you look at a map of you know a song of ice and fire westeros is just like one tiny continent uh, next to Essos and Sotheros, like, and they're barely touched on. So I think he's just setting it up. So they're there, they're ready to be used. Yeah. But one of the great things whenever I get researching these chapters and getting lost on the copper mind, there, there are these things called words of Brandon, the people who run the copper mind are next level. And they go to, they go through every signing, every YouTube live stream, any like time Brandon Sanderson has this is so spoken. Martin. This is what people have done with George R. R. Martin as well. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. And like any fact that's listed on the copper mind, you know, has a little annotation and you can click on it. And, you know, I was just going crazy with the pure Lake stuff and we are not the first people to notice these fish. Somebody asked the man himself in 2013. What a legend. <laughs> wow. So they asked, are the magic fish of the pure lake the result of symbiotic bonds with spren and the sandman said yes they are many creatures on roshar have such interactions with spren 
So the other things he's talking about are like the um, Rishadium, like the the super duper horses. They have the that whole thing. But but anyway, more excitingly, these fish are like magic because of their relationship with Spren or some kind. So hmm. yeah, like what's that about? It kind of reminds me of. Um, I mean, I haven't read the books that these come from, but AVRs, AVRs are a thing in the Cosmere, which are birds that are basically magic or like little spren companions. We see them in um, Stormlight. Marais has one. But yeah, I'm just trying to pull up what actually was the power of this fish that he was talking about, that he was giving his... Uh, oh, here we go. A coal grill was a very lucky fish, cured aching joints for a good month after you ate it and sometimes let you see... When friends were going to visit by, letting you read the shapes of the clouds. So it's like a double use because my mind was like, oh, that's medicinal. And then it's like goes straight into like tripping. Unless yeah. you're seeing the future. I don't know. <laughs> so it would be cool to like see how far this goes and see. He's probably got a whole fish magic system that we're totally unaware of. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, and you see Ishik say to them, uh, to the three, he says, now perhaps I could find you a fish that could locate him uh, and rubbed his uh, stubbly chin. I'll bet a stumpy court could do it. Might take a while for the fine one, though. And the three of them looked at him. There may be something to these fish, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I laugh so hard because I'm like, that's what I'm thinking. He's like, well, there actually might be something because these guys are obviously very aware of the Cosmere and magic. It's like, man, there might be something here. Yeah, and, <laughs> and still they think it's just superstition probably because they're looking down on these people, right? But um, there's a uh, th- there's a lot going on with the fish. There's a lot going on with these visitors. There could be a lot going on with uh, Ishik as well. Like there's a potential that that could uh, that he could play a role later, possibly re- reappear. Um, but there's also hmm. a Thaspic that's here. Um, and Ishik sees him and says, uh, the text says he nodded to Thaspic, a dark skinned man who passed him pulling a small raft. It was stacked with a few piles of cloths. He probably taken them out for washing and they kind of have this back and forth about how's the fishing. It's good. It's bad. Do, do we think that this person is anything like, is this a, is this a Herald that's just chilling at the fear <laughs> lake maybe? <laughs> oh man. I love, this is the best part of the podcast. Cause that part, I, I did not even pay any, I was like, okay, you know, he's just, his mate out in the pure lake chilling but i guess i should assume that any person passing by could be a herald I'm not <laughs> i just enough. always think no but it could be like why not why not because i'm i'm still searching for this key reason why is this the first interlude i mean it may be as simple as hey roshar is really important hoid's in this book for like longtime fans this is also there's clues if you're a really big sando fan about who these people are from other planets but maybe this dude's a herald, you know. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just seeing Thaspic. I don't know, dude. Is there? Did you get anything else to, to suggest that we should be sus? No, and that's the thing. I did feel yeah. like this one was, you know, I lost a shirt while washing. He replied, his voice pleasant. Ah, that's the way of things. Are my foreigners here? And this stranger says, sure are over at um, Mabe's place. And they just kind of go back and forth. Mm. So I'd send it. Well, like, there's not a lot there. No, I mean, what what shirt? Is there a herald known for losing their washing? <laughs> the herald yeah. of laundry. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe a herald's up there, you know, looking at the water, doing some science. I don't know. Oh, I just, man, at some point, we're going to, like, look back and realize we totally missed a herald. But yeah, this we're going to try and catch them all Pokemon style. We're going to try. Um, <laughs> a fun fact about this chapter, which I love. So later on, there's like mentions of this um, plague on Rosha. I don't remember. I think it's in Oathbringer or Rhythm of War because Liren, Kaladin's dad, has been treating people. And it's like, oh, yes, the plague that broke out in the Pure Lake. And what it is, it's the common cold, which was brought over by these wildfires. And it's like spread through Rosha, which is just like, how good is that? That is great. I love that, right? Again, also confirmed by Sanderson. Don't know if it's these three guys, um, but the fact that, you know, this this kind of 
lets you know that that's the reason why you can think back to this chapter and be like, well, they brought over their own diseases from other planets and it's kind of ripping through Roshar because they're not used to it. Um, which is so good, but I suppose I'll do a timestamp. We can do them on Spotify and on YouTube. I don't know if they worked on Apple. Did they work? I I have no idea. Okay. I don't think they do, but if you really care, I'm going to actually mention who these people are. And they're from other Sanderson books, from other Cosme worlds. So if you don't want to know, um, look for the timestamp. But otherwise, join along. I don't think it's really a big spoiler. It doesn't doesn't impact me. I haven't even read all these books, and I'm I'm chill about it. But your personal choice. So um, there's only one that I do know for that I did know for sure, um, and they're from Mistborn Era One. I'm just pulling up exactly who these people are. Did you have any idea, Jimmy, at all? Uh, no, but I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that they're significant in from the Cosmere because I uh, wonder how he earned that scar across his scalp and they're using fake names. Val wasn't his real name. Ishik was sure they used fake names. Uh, that is why he used his own names for them. If they were going to give him fake names, he'd give them fake names back, which is very <laughs> I love how I love how petty that is. It's just yeah, like, nope, nope, not going to happen. <laughs> um, yeah, so that. That one, sorry, I, I always, I introduce this too early. Where I mean, I've got too many notes. I'm just, try, I'm looking through all the red string and all the papers glued to the walls. Where have I placed this? <laughs> There's a lot of stacks of paper around the office. It's, it's totally oh, acceptable. It's, yeah, I've been um, lost in Roshar, so to speak. Okay, so these are three world hoppers. They work for the 17th Shard, not the not the real world equivalent that we know about the 17th shard of the Cosmere. And they're a group who's like trying to sort of watch the great, they, they feel like, you know, we started with Adenalsium and it broke into 16 pieces and all these shards have drama now, but I believe the 17th shard are just trying to keep things chill and make sure nothing gets out of hand. And uh, Hoyt is someone who does not keep things chill and he meddles with everything everywhere <laughs> and is obviously like, changing the timelines right so they're after him basically because he's an agent of chaos in their mind so one person is galadin not kaladin galadin (laughs) or galadin i guess it's got the double l from um cell the next one is bound from taldane so cell is like elantris taldane i believe is white sand and the only person I knew was Demu, like D-E-M-O-U-X from Skadriel. So I remembered him from Mistborn Era 1. He was like chilling with Kelsia at some point. But I don't know I don't know how re- much you remember Elantris, Jimmy, but like these could be any people to me. Yeah, I I, uh, I only read the first like 200 pages of Elantris. I'm going to revisit it. I, mm. I was really hoping to revisit it this year, to be honest with you. Um, mm. But but I don't I didn't recall any of these, even even the Mistborn guy. I, I, yeah. I don't recall. Yeah, like I, I barely do. The, the What I take from this, I'm like, okay, they're all part of this 17th Shard organization. I need to read these other books too, purely for these connections and things like that. But there are little hints because I was like, how do people figure this out? I suppose two of them are described as dark skinned with different builds and they have certain certain things with their language that you can pick up on. I think white sand has some sort of language thing that they use that shows up in this chapter. I believe that's what people are saying, but one of them calls blunt, uh, blunt says, and you Temu, like he asks, he calls one of them Temu, which I thought kind of sounds like Demu, like as you would read it in Mistborn. So mm-hmm. I guess that's like a, like, you know, Ishik's hearing it in a slightly different way. So you could tr- track it that way. But most interestingly to me is like Mistborn Era 1 is 300 years before this. So how is a dude from Mistborn Era 1 showing up, you know, basically looking kind of the same 300 years later? That's a very good question. Russia, right? Hmm. There's going to be some anti-aging magic. Medicine. Medicine. Some medicine. Snake oil. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah, someone some selling snake oil. oil. Yeah. So whilst it is cool, none of these people really, it's not like a notable character really. And I I mean, I'm talking as someone who hasn't really read White Sand or all of Elantris either. So I feel like we're falling short here as hosts, but it's like, well, they're just three people. 
whatever. Yeah, and, and you know, <laughs> oh, you know, along with the fact that we don't know much about the pure, like, like it feels like you know, this is one of those interludes we really do need to keep in our mind and pay attention to as we continue on. But it's not one that me and you were like, we've solved it. We've had a lot of hunches, some crazy uh, theories as well, but this is not one of those um, pieces of information that I think lends itself to more speculation. Yeah, I for think us, it's, I should say for us. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And if you if you are more well versed in the Cosmere and these characters, please let us know in the comments or contact us at lostinroshar at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, it was a really entertaining chapter. I think what's most interesting, at least to me, besides the common cold coming and these like little little nods to future events in the story, magic fish, I feel like are a much bigger piece. Yes. I also find that you know it being a giant lake that means it's a giant hub in shadesmar because it's land and that tells me that this is where a lot of world hoppers kind of pop out in the pure mm-hmm. lake it seems like a hub like a traveling hub and what's going on with these double gods like how does this play into the real world of Rosha? i feel like there is something there yeah i to totally agree comes. with you and mm-hmm. is there are Harold hanging out at the pier. Like, probably, <laughs> did, probably not. Uh, did the Harold lose their laundry? I don't know. We'll know whenever they all show back up and one of them's missing a shirt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we're like, it was him. <laughs> in his little canoes. Yeah. Well, I'll just add one last thing before we go to the next chapter. I was again, getting quotes from Brandon. Somebody did ask, um, Krem, and the pure lake on Roshard, do they have any connection to cultivation as in the shard of cultivation? Sanderson said both existed on the planet before cultivation arrived. The next they asked again, but are both influenced by her now? And he said, yes, she influences both. So if I don't know if she's like dropping some magic juice in the pure lake for the fish, I don't know. But I thought it was a little interesting tidbit. Very, very cool. Well, we're moving on now to the second interlude, which is Nambalat. And this is Shallan's brother, which which we uh, can figure out as, as we read through this. It's extremely short. It's like three pages long, four pages long, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some stuff in here. And one of the things that immediately jumped off the page to me that I, for, that I had forgotten about is that Nambalat liked killing things. Not people, <laughs> never people, but animals, those he could kill, particularly the little ones. He wasn't sure why it made him feel better. It simply did. He sat on the porch of his mansion, pulling the legs off a small crab one at a time. There was a satisfying rip to each one. He pulled on it lightly at, at first, and then the animal grew stiff. Then... <laughs> He pulled hard, <laughs> and it started to squirm. The ligament resisted, then started ripping, followed by a quick pop. Ooh. So, here's the thing. Michael Kramer, step aside. That's listen, all I'm saying. Listen, Christian, you can't <laughs> draw up a more hateable person that is sitting in front of their mansion and their privilege. Oh, my ripping God. Ripping the limbs of a small animal, and that is why I don't, know if that's actually what's going on here like i do believe he's doing these things it is very interesting that multiple times in this very short interlude we hear that nambalat feels a relief of pain while he's distributing out punishment to another living thing Hmm. there's there there is something going on here he sighed in satisfaction ripping a leg free soothed him made the uh, aches in his body retreat he tossed the leg over his shoulder and moved on to the next one he didn't like to talk about his habit he didn't even speak it uh to i alita uh it was something that he did he had to keep your you had to keep your sanity somehow this Mm -hmm. there is a connection between what he is doing to these animals and the reason why he is feeling relief in my opinion i don't know what it is i don't know what craziness this is but i i think that it is a legitimate physical relief that he's feeling from his uh you know crippled status man this is the this is the um the the thing with stormlight right we're always like is this magic or just a this character thing magic man i i, I think yeah dude i i think you know it's it's far too on the nose being rich killing little animals and (laughs) then it being in this interlude like 
I, I mean, of course it does further the narrative that Shalon has a really messed up family and adds some <laughs> more context to it. Mm. But we know that Shalon's very messed up and, and has a lot of things going on with her that is not entirely in her control and external forces mm. and their mother being a herald. Like, why would that not also affect other people, you know, other people in the family? So I, I feel like Nambalat is sold to us as like a Joffrey Baratheon. But I think that there is a magical reasoning behind what he is doing. I like what you're getting at. I'm just, yeah, I'm just thinking about this. As you're I don't have it. the answers to what it is, but no. I, I think this this perked up my ears. And there's a lot of stuff in this uh, this little interlude that's only a couple pages long. Uh, we, we hear a lot about vines, which the one thing I can't remember very well. I mean, there's many things I don't remember well, but in this in this interlude is that uh, Lyft's spren is like a vine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there seems to be vines all over this interlude. And I'm thinking that these sprint are here and they're interacting. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, because there's, I, firstly, I'm, I'm going to go back to your whole like magic theory with that, right? I think it would be interesting what you're getting at because we've, we've only seen sort of like the, at least in my, in my, when I think of Stormlight, I think of how cool the magic is and how positive it is. But I mean, we've never seen like the twisted use of magic in Stormlight or like the dark side. Yeah. Um, and what if like he can get some sort of benefit by doing this? I think that would be like a cool I think thing. he's definitely getting benefit. And with, and with my tinfoil theory that Shalan's mom's a herald and they've all inherited kind of weird things, what if he's inherited some weird thing? That's what I'm after. Yeah, that's yeah, what I'm right. on. Yeah, I, I, I 100% think so. Yeah, like what if they're all messed up in a, <laughs> sorry, I say it so bluntly, but like, yeah, what if they've all got some weird quirk? Some like, if a Herod has a kid, they get, like the magic gets flipped on its head and they have all these weird little glitches. Yeah, I, I like mean, this. Yeah, and, and I want to just put an apology out there to all the Herald spawns that are exist in our world you know if you're a child of a herald and you've been yeah. affected by these things you know we we i'm just kidding <laughs> Mate, you, you can't clean it up i've just said you're all messed up <laughs> you're you've all got issues yeah you, you really boggled this one herald uh so <laughs> yeah look the the sprint thing i'm not as convinced with because i feel like he's only appearing like a vine and everything because he's bonded to a person i think these vines are just more like i'm i'm gonna think it's a bit more simple and it's just okay. like him describing roshar and the interesting because he goes a lot into how the grass is retreating i think he's still getting you used to like okay everything's moving here the, like the plants are alive and all that not to say that there's not a magical element there i just don't know if it's like a like a spread that's fair yeah i i could be talked off the ledge on that i'm i'm way more willing to concede ground on that piece of it because i was yeah. really sold on that than i am the fact that i don't think nambalat is just some sociopath by nature like i think i like i like what you're getting at dude i've never heard that take before either which is rare, <laughs> rare in a stormlight discussion sometimes i feel like all the theories are taken Haven't well i just that. think it's very obvious you know it to me it's 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 too obvious to hate this I mean, porch of his mansion pulling legs off a small animal like come on dude like i just don't think brandon is one to just throw that in there and be like look hate him like i, I don't know maybe i'm wrong mm. but I'm well, we'll watch him we'll what we'll keep an eye on that keep we'll be the, peeled. yeah we'll be the spread on the wall what i what i liked Again, I've been I've been desperately waiting for sounds and tones and rhythms, right? Because we we know that those are the building blocks of Rosha since Rhythm of War. Mm -hmm. And uh, I thought this was super intentional. It says, Balat walked to the edge of the porch. Some wild songlings began to sing in the distance, scraping their rigid shells. They each played a different beat and notes, though they couldn't really be called melodies. Melodies were things of humans, not animals, but each one was a song. And at times they seemed to sing back and forth to one another. I was like... This is a hundred percent like, like connecting to the Pashendi and their rhythms and their patterns of speaking and the pure tones of Rosha. Yeah. Like just him hinting at the, the, you know, pulling the curtain back a little mm -hmm. and it blows my, I I'm, I'm convinced of that. And it blows my mind how much I'm seeing of it so far in the way of Kings. Um, but yeah, they, it literally says the fist-sized creature was shaped like a peak disc with forearms that reached out from the sides and scraped rhythms along the top. Like these are like little crabs who are literally like popping off beats on the top of their head. Like what is that? That is 
a hundred percent related to the Pashendi and their rhythms and all that. I'm convinced. Yeah, and then you have Scrack, which is um, you know, the axe hound, which is yes. really, really interesting. Uh is tearing it apart. Uh she was sleek and lean, six legs extending before her as she sat on her haunches. Axe hounds didn't have shells or skin. Instead, their body was covered in some fusion of the two. Smooth to the touch and more pliable than true care uh Carapace, I always say that wrong, uh, but harder than the skin and made of interlocking sections. The axe hound's angular face seemed curious. Her deep eyes, deep black eyes regarding Balat, she trumped softly. It's interesting oh. that it was also tearing apart something as Balat was tearing apart yeah. something. I mean, yeah, I'm more convinced of like the, the Rosharian dog more or less doing it. But yeah, when you have your theory and like as I have your theory in my mind, it's like recontextualizing this whole thing. All I yeah. remember, all I remember was like, there's some line about ear holes, and I was like, that's creepy. Yeah, the ear hole <laughs> line is one, and I was like, I can't even imagine this. Thing. I, don't, I don't like ear holes. I don't, I'm not a fan of that line. Um, yeah, I like, I like what you said. I, I really, I kind of want to read it again now that you say that, because I'm totally tripping with this whole, because especially after the pure lake chapter where they mentioned this fish that took away aches and pains. And then we go straight into Nanbalat doing that. It's kind of like, it even feels more telegraphed to the reader to pay attention to that. I, I agree. And then we get something really interesting, which plays into another theory that I have. Yeah. Um, he's sitting there talking about how he couldn't have been the one to go to Jasna or Yasna and chase her. La, da, 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 da. He said, <laughs> the plan probably won't even work. He said, taking off the last of the legs odd looking at a creature like this when it had no legs the crab was still alive yet how could you know it without legs to wiggle the creature seemed as dead as a stone and i'm and there's there's paragraph this i'm I'm also going to continue on but just here he's looking at this saying you know this thing is crippled how could it feel alive and i think nan balat is thinking that about himself yeah uh, in some ways but the interesting line here is the creature seemed as dead as a stone Zeth, Zeth shows up. <laughs> and I've also been thinking about um, the fact that in the Cosmere, we know that sometimes like life can be stored in a stone. And I've talked about the Gavilar statue and the bring it back Gavilar. Oh, and, yeah. Okay. And all of this yeah. stuff. Little Warbreaker tie in here. Uh, so I'm so yeah. I thought that was a little interesting line. <laughs> like, uh, it's very specific. Dead as a stone. You're peaking. You're peaking on this episode, mate. I'm loving the Jimmy theories. I'm glad. I mean, these are just little tidbits. You know, I don't, I don't yeah. have the full picture yet, but they're things I'm picking up on. And I'm sure someone's listening right now. And part of my brain says this too. And it's like, maybe he just is a psycho who gets relief from this. And this is all metaphorical and well-written. But maybe there's this theory and maybe we can run with that. And maybe like, I, I, would, I wish I could get a visual. Like the way I'm picturing it is like, yeah, you wouldn't know, right? It's got no limbs. It's just, it's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. It's it's so sick. Like the way it's written is so, you do know. You, do you want to know who this, in my opinion, is uh, that Sanderson's giving a nod to in fantasy? Oh yeah, who? Sandor Glaka. You reckon? Or I said Sandor. I'm thinking Sandor Clegane. Um, Sandan Glaka. Glaka from First Law. And I say this with a lot of confidence because if you think about it, Nambalat talks about how he hates um, climbing stairs or going down them in this chapter. And then also <laughs> is kind of torturing, as as we know Glaka does in First Law. And it just so happens oh. that Sanderson and Joe Abercrombie are friends and Sanderson loves Joe Abercrombie. If uh, this is a Glaka nod, it's like... This chapter just went so far up in my estimation, just because like we're both massive fans, right? I think it's a slight nod to Glock. That would be I, cool. I do, and they're big fans of each other, so I could see it. Um, I, I I don't think Sanderson <laughs> would hesitate to to give a little nod. He does it in a lot of his works. Mm-hmm. To me, and I might be wrong, but I think that this is a slight nod to Glock. I love that. Um. I'm going to read this next paragraph, which I thought was um, not necessarily, no, no tinfoil here. I just, I just highlighted it. They were a broken family. Years of suffering. Their father's brutal temper had driven Asha Chushu to, to vice and Tet Wikim to despair. Only Balat had escaped unscathed. 
Balat and Shalam. She'd been left alone, never touched. At times, Balat had hated her for that, but how could you truly hate someone like Shalam? Shy, quiet, delicate. Firstly, um, the Asha Jushu and the Tet Wickham, these are all just like, um, what's the word? I don't, pronouns isn't the right word, is it? But whatever, it's the thing you say before like a certain sibling. So that he's just talking about his siblings. Oh, okay. So none in this context, like he's the oldest brother. So the oldest brother gets none. His name's just Balat. Um, so we know that one of the siblings is like, you know, gambling and drinking. We've learned that later. And, and well, the other one's like a nervous wreck. So it's interesting, a couple of things. Firstly, that Balat thinks he's unscathed as he's like <laughs> pulling the legs off a crab. He's like, yeah, I'm fine. But man, everyone else is so messed up. <laughs> I'm like, mate, what planet are you on? <laughs> um, and just this, everyone kind of has a soft spot for Shalan, seemingly, except for Yasna, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah. Everyone's kind of like taken away by Shalan. Yeah, I don't think Yasna cares too much. No, no. The charms, she's immune to her charms. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we learned that her older brother died in this chapter for the first time too. If only Halaran had survived, their eldest brother, then known as Nan Halaran, as he'd been the first son. It's interesting. Did we know that before this? Because I, I try to remember what do we know at this point in the story. It's hard to, hard to separate what we know. I don't think we knew it at this okay. point. Yeah. But my memory is not the best, so I'm, I'm slightly nervous that, I, that I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, no, it's okay. Look, the highlight for me was your theory that there's something magical going on here. I'm in two minds because sometimes I'm like, you know, there's a lot of this mental health focus in Stormlight and there's a lot of magic, hard magic in Stormlight and you don't want every sort of mentally messed up person to have some magical reason behind it. You know, would that take away from it for you if it was, if you were right? Um, I'm going to say no because, and the only reason is because I think it's, easier to just say hey this is a sociopathic character and look how messed up he is and hate him he's in his mansion killing you know you know Mm -hmm. what i mean like Mm. so for me personally i I think i'd be okay with in this aspect but we have talked about it before where sometimes i like things to be a little bit more ambiguous and nebulous and that's not sanderson's style most of the time so Mm. i kind of have different expectations when i read his books but this is one of the times where i wouldn't mind yeah, you've you've definitely turned me around on it. I kind of want it to be true now, because <laughs> yeah. it, it fits my whole like her mom's a herald. They're all yes. messed up. <laughs> Look at him pulling We're those crap legs. Propaganda one theory. Yeah. yeah, man. Like heralds in the pure lake, heralds in the divine household, and uh, maybe there's a herald in the next chapter, mate. What do yeah. you reckon? I hope so. Let's have a look. The glory of ignorance. The glory of ignorance. And we're back with old truthless himself, just putzing around <laughs> over here with Took and uh, lobbing his oath stone around, wishing he was dead, but he can't, you know, I mean, my God, I thought Kaladin was a bummer. Oh, he's so over him. Death is, <laughs> they're buddies, man. That you can't win like with Jimmy. It's gonna be miserable. It's going to be full of My Chemical Romance songs. And- <laughs> Dude, you, you hate the happy characters. You hate Lopen. You hate the depressed characters. Who, who do you like, mate? Maybe, maybe I don't like anybody at this maybe, point. <laughs> maybe you just don't like being lost in Rosha. I like Yasna and I like Shalon. Hey, you just, I mean, who could... If you didn't like Yasna, I actually might need to find someone else to do the podcast with. So you've passed that test. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, Seth definitely would listen to My Chemical Romance if that was an option. Oh, dude. I'd say so. Sure. <laughs> with Nightblood. I mean, it would look pretty sick at a MCR concert listen, with I'm, Nightblood. I'd get down with some MCR. I'm not, I'm not a pal. Hell yeah. Oh, no, we're not knocking it, man. Yeah. I could I bump that any day. Don't get it twisted. Yeah. <laughs> So I like, I just love the contrast. Like last time we saw him, he was this crazy assassin flying through the coolest dude ever. But now he's like truthless of Shinovar, sat on a wooden tavern floor, lavish beer slowly soaking through his brown trousers. Like he's fallen far, mate. He's been through some stuff. He's going through the farm arc, just like in Fiddlin' Saga. Yeah, he's, he's being humbled <laughs> right now. Need to make something grow. 
yeah. <laughs> um, dude, this chapter, I feel like it's, it's, it's kind of, oh, I feel bad saying it's funny, but it's kind of very like easy to have a laugh at because my God, what a miserable situation Seth has it, found himself in. Like it really God, is. It it's really is. terrible. And the, whoever's got it, who, this guy who's owning him now is just an absolute bastard about it. But it's so realistic. Like I love the contrast, like depending on who has this oath stone, it's a whole different life for Seth, obviously. That's not a great mm-hmm. revelation, but it's fun to see it, right? It's fun to see how different his life can pan out. Yeah, and I think it's a it's a pretty good commentary on agency and power structure and and everything else. I mean, this is unfortunately this is somewhat of a reality for many people, uh, yeah. and that can be a really terrible thing. Really, really. Yeah, terrible. and when I say it's humorous, it's just oh, like no, I know, yeah, the the dark humor of like. <laughs> The gallows how miserable it is just to clarify also is you're just first look into like the mechanics of zeth like how does how does life work for him and i don't know i i just found it so undignified how we we get this flashback to him outside of like the palace in a loincloth like just holding a stone waiting for someone to pick him up <laughs> because the parshendi threw out the stone i was just like this poor guy <laughs> It's like him uh, on the side of the road with a thumb up, right? Well, I was even saying it's fascinating from a narrative perspective because Zeth, we know that he is an assassin and he's been hired and all these things. And then you just throw in the fact that now anyone can kind of use this guy as a weapon, which is crazy. But, you know, he's so dedicated to it. it. I mean, it must it must be magic, right? I'm actually going to say no. I don't think it's magical with Seth. I think okay. his mind is literally like so convinced of it. And being in his head, it doesn't feel like there's some magical hint or a hidden capitalized letter here. I feel like he's legitimately just like, I've got to do this. He's like mm. so, so compelled by it. There's some like childhood drama thing going on here, like some deep stuff that he's like, I've got to, I, I mean, this is just what I've got to do. Yeah, I would say that Shinovar is probably lending itself to a lot of childhood drama maybe. Yeah, I feel like if you don't have childhood trauma, you're not going to make it into the series. It's <laughs> a POV character. Sounds like, a, sounds like every One Piece backstory. Yeah, I know. Everyone <laughs> died. That's why I am the way I am. Yes. It was cool being in Bavland, this area. We don't think we're really ever there, at least that I can recall. So even if we have been there again, it hasn't been super notable in my mind. Mm-hmm. And just hearing their little sayings like dust mother, that kind of stood up for me with our whole theory of dust and the sun going out and stuff like that. Ooh, I like that quite a bit. Yeah. More, more propaganda from Lost and Roshar. Yeah. Well, the, well, the dust mother isn't unmade. So I'm like, it's curious that they're like, that that's become like a saying in this area that the dust oh mother is God. just like that spoken about. Mate, you're not saying some sort of, exclamation that's slightly religious and getting past me i'm looking that up straight away <laughs> <laughs> i'm looking it up straight away yeah um yeah so this is the quote on the on the copper mine that the official name is chemerish the dust mother has some of the most varied laws surrounding her the wealth of it makes sorting lies from truths extremely difficult i do believe she is not the night watcher contrary to what some stories claim that's from hesse's mythica the in-world book about the unmade so uh, like a evil spren of odium i don't know it's cool that that's a saying like most areas in roshar are, are like oh kelek ash's eyes oh talents whatever but these guys are talking about unmade interesting yeah and maybe the interludes are peaks into the unmade because we we know that there are unmade and they they kind of start to swing around in, in rhythm of war and whatnot but we know they're going to be a much bigger deal in the future right yeah yeah he's i mean they already have become a bigger deal in the series as we as we see i just don't know if we'll get to around all 10 you know i'm not sure it's like hmm. you set up so much how much are you going to use I, and are you like do you have to use all of it as an author, you know, I don't think you have to No, mm. I, I really don't. And, and those are things that, you know, even slight hints at what the other ones may be doing or where they are or why they're not there. could be interesting for us to talk about for many decades beyond the, the series end even. So I, I think it's okay to leave that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. You can't, you can't cover everything, but in this chapter, 
I guess we finally just see like how much Seth is compelled to do the things he has to do. Like he's literally self-harming in front of these people, deadpan. Yeah. No, doesn't care. I mean, he cares, but it's like, he's just got to do it. So what are you going to do about it? Um, but I kind of love that he's thinking like, man, I'm basically a superhero and they don't know it. You know, <laughs> have, it's like the, uh, the party meme where the guys in the corner with the hat on everyone's dancing. He's like, they have no idea how cool I am. That's what I imagined. As you said, like at your work meeting, people are talking about Mistborn and stuff and you're like, I host a podcast. About wow. Mistborn. That is definitely true. Wow. That is spot on reference. Yeah. You're just exactly like, Do I how it was? yeah, <laughs> they have no idea. They have no idea. I talk about um, safe hands every Sunday. <laughs> I have my safe um, hand exposed. <laughs> yeah. Um, I th- Our sense of humor, just absolutely dreadful. Um, <laughs> look, I liked the whole compilation of Seth. Like, oh, this guy owned me. This guy owned me. But they just can't keep me because I'm just too cool. You know, I'm not like other girls. Yeah, exactly. I'm just too much of a big, big eyed, light eyes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's just a traveler, you know. If anything, he's on the ultimate road trip. The ultimate, he's, like, he's the vagabond of Roshar. Yeah, he is. He really is. Did um, I don't think this this had many like sort of tinfoil theories for me. Did anything stand out to you? No, this this chapter, this chapter was. Uh, I didn't even have any notes for it. Actually, it, it, I thought it was extremely straightforward. Maybe we're missing something big. I hope we are. Uh, mm. But you know, you meet to, uh, Took and you see Zeth, you see the Oath Stone, you, you know that it's about to get really bad for him by the end, and that, that that's kind of what I what I gathered from it. Yeah, for me, it was like, hey, this guy's still important from the from the prologue. Um, this is how his life works, and off he goes onto his yeah. next adventure. Yeah, we're not done with him yet. You know, it's yeah, kind of signifying to the reader. Yeah, and I feel like this is gen- generally how the interludes go. It's usually like, "Hey, here's something that's like totally out of left field, i.e., the Pure Lake." You'll you'll be confused about this and talking about this for years. Then mm-hmm. there's like side character who we like. Okay, they're related to someone. Cool. And then like Zeth or like Risen or like you know a, a character that can only be followed through the interludes. Yeah. Um, my favorite are the are the crazy ones that are like, "Where the heck are we?" Definitely. Um, I mean, those yeah. are the ones that are the most inspiring for us to just come up with whack job theories. Yeah. I mean, th- what what I think will we'll probably be in, like we can make something of when book five comes out. We actually get a good description of the Earthstone. Simple piece of rock with a few quartz crystals set into it with a rusty vein of iron on one side. I'm sure that will be like so telling at one point. Like, oh, it has iron. That means... Seth's dad was from this planet, you know, one day. Oh one my day. God. Yeah. I that feels so. relevant. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. But for right now, Lost in Roshar's got nothing to say, mate. Yeah. Nothing to say. Just another three, day with Seth. Yeah. And I mean, the three interludes were great. Uh, like you kind of said, they each did a little bit of something different, served a different purpose, and it catapults us off into part two. Oh, hell yeah, man. We need this cast to expand. We do. I, I love Kaladin Shalon, but dude, I've been missing our boys. Yeah, I'm excited to read Adolin again because I remember being really big on Adolin at the beginning in like the first two books and then slowly going into apathy with him, um, mm. even with his bigger moment in book four. So I'm going to try to read it with a little bit more um, goodwill, I think, this time and know, know what yeah. to expect from Adolin. Uh, and the fact that he is not, you know, the stupendous one, he is not the big, brave radiant, but he is the normal person. And how do you feel about that when everyone around you is, is, <laughs> you know, majestical. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to read his POV again. And I'm excited to see the introduction of his character in, in the next part. Yeah. When I think of Adolin, I think, oh, he's the protagonist of every, of like your standard fantasy, mm-hmm. but he's like too low level for this world. <laughs> it's like, how enough. Yeah, it's like how they say Zoro is like the typical shonen main character, but he's not. He's Luffy's second mate. And uh Adolin's kinda like that to to Kaladin. Kaladin he's always just like, but Kaladin's so much cooler. <laughs> what am we gonna do about it? <laughs> um But I mean I love love me some Adolin, but dude, give me some Dalinar. Yeah. Dalinar's about to take down a freaking chasm fiend. Like, oh, I'm pumped for those chapters next week. Zaddy next himself. Let's Zad- go. <laughs> Zaddy himself. And Zaddy is that bloody. Zaddy is. 
Z- oh, Zadius. That's the new nickname. Daddy Dalinar and Zadius. <laughs> We're going to get weird. Z- Zaddy and Daddy. Yeah, I love Next it. Next week. <laughs> I love it. Oh. As always, guys, thank you for accompanying us on this episode of Lost in Rosha. Remember, the most important chapter a man can read is the next one. We'll see you next week to finally get into part two with chapters 12 and 13. And if you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, be sure to leave us a review on whichever platform you listen on. And if you have feedback, questions, or theories, span read us at lostinroshar at gmail.com. We'll see you next time on Lost in Roshar. And please remember to keep that safe hand covered.